initial cost. Brought an alligator, I ain't talking the cost. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline. 713-780-3776. The phone lines are open at Moneyline 97.5. It's where you can find us on Twitter, at Josh Jordan 97.5, at Carlson Radio, at Jerry Bowe Knows with a Z. The squad's in the booth right now, and we talked everything from Texans, everything in that game. Uh, one thing we didn't touch, though, before we even move on, what did you think about the fourth play call or fourth down call? Yeah, we got to get into that a little bit. Here's my deal. I'm I'm totally fine with them going for it on fourth down. You pick up that yard, you win the game. It's over. I feel like it was kind of a, a longer yard than it looked like. You know, it wasn't like a one foot or something like that, right? It wasn't sneakable to me. Right. So I just didn't like that they went up the middle with the QB sneak because all the Bills guys were jammed in there right over you know, right over the center. And then they, they brought a, a safety down, too, to come crash right up the middle as well. And I felt like, you know, you have Deshaun Watson, maybe get him on the perimeter to where, you know, where they did that little pitch play to, to Carlos Hyde, the one that he fumbled oh my god yeah you know something more like that somewhere where or maybe something where Deshaun has a run pass option to where you know he can he can throw it or he can run for it or he could pitch it to the back I just I hate seeing that when everybody's cramped up you know and then you get in your big packages and you just try and I would rather see you spread them out a little bit and try and run like don't be so predictable so I just didn't like the play call but I was fine with him going for it and and whenever the it went to that predicament I told myself Man, O'Brien is the type to not go for this. <laughs> and as soon as they went left the offense there, I said, let's go, O'Brien. Yeah. This is your moment. Let's do this. And I agree with everything you said. I agree with the the going for it, but the actual play call. And it seemed – and it's easier said than done because say say they do – say he does keep it and go outside and they get – and they don't get it, then people are going to say, why would you bring the ball outside right. if it's a short distance? But everything that was working at that moment – Every play, I wanted it to be a run-pass option for Deshaun at that point. Give him both options because he's seeing the field, he's reading it, and he's trusting his arm. And, uh, hey, we saw how it played out, and, and it could have been a disaster. It very well could have been, but uh, let's, well, let's just be glad it wasn't. But I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, why did he go for that? And, and it's thinking, like, O'Brien well, can't even win when he does something that he's supposed to because right. the big coaches— they were going to go for that, and they were going to take the air out of the ball. They were going to say, if we can't get one yard to end this game, that's what big coaches do. Sure. The ones that settle, they would have settled for kicking. I agree. And that, that's just – and it was so predictable because when Deshaun came up to the line of scrimmage, you know, you could see that was a, an ugly look to just, you know, to go straight up the middle there. There was – like, the entire team was stacked up in the middle right there with the Bills. And, and Deshaun's not the – the biggest dude, you know, he's kind of slight of frame. So you don't, you don't feel like, like maybe Josh Allen could kind of, you know, push his way through to get that yard. Cause he's a bigger guy, but with Deshaun, like there's gotta be a little bit of space and there, there really wasn't. So I hated that play call and you will not believe the things I was saying about O'Brien in my house when that was happening, because it was so predictable, you know, it was so predict and so Texans to, Texans can never make it easy on you. They never just take care of business and win the game on offense and, and kneel it out. I, I, I knew. I'm like, man, the defense is going to have to go back on the field. And, you know, one play from Josh Allen and, you know, they win the game. And they had a couple shots where they were, you know, throwing it in the end zone where the Bills could have won that game. And if it wasn't for that penalty that we talked about, you know, the, the, the blindside hit that, that knocked the Bills out of field goal range, they very easily could have, 
you know, screwed up and lost that game. And I, I felt like the momentum went away there too. You know, like everything was for the Texans until they didn't get it on that fourth down up the middle. And then it felt like, oh my God, here we go again. Now Buffalo, they got a second chance, right? Don't give them a second chance. So let me ask both of you guys this. Yesterday can be deemed as maybe the biggest win in Texans franchise history, right? Because, I mean, what bigger wins? They've had equivalents of this, sure. but this the form and fashion that it happened and, and it just the way it happened, I, I would put it up there. Some can argue, however you want to look at it. But after a win like that, do we view O'Brien at worse than what we started before that game? Because the credit... It's going to get thrown on Watson, obviously. Sure. None of it's going to go to, uh, to, to O'Brien, although I, I would give him some as far as the way he treated Watt, the way he, he, he incorporated in there, the way that he did certain things in that game. But I don't think the credit's going to go to him for such a big win. So do we view him as even worse than what we viewed him at? Because the way he held the team back down at first and it took Deshaun being Deshaun for them to get back in it. How do you feel about O'Brien now going forward? Did you lose any more confidence? How do you feel about him? I mean, I didn't really have confidence in him going into that game. I don't think my view of him could have gotten much lower. It hasn't changed. I, I don't have confidence in him as a head coach. I have even less confidence in him as a GM. I think that we have a relatively talented roster, but not the right people in place in the head coaching and coordinator positions to really take advantage of some of the talent that we have on the field. How many times have we seen this team come out flat in these big games? It, it happens entirely too frequently for me to say that that there is not an issue there that starts with the head coach I completely agree and and I mean coming out of halftime I mean that they almost lost the game because of the you know of of the not kneeling in in the end zone for the kickoff that could have gone the other way and then Hopkins comes out and fumbles you know and it was it was so predictable too that when they got the coin toss in overtime i'm like they're going to end up punting and then buffalo will be able to beat them with the field goal you know i just i was like i knew i'm like i don't know if that's a good thing that they won the coin toss that I, that concerned me that it takes them so long to get ramped up and i think we also have to give jj watt credit there was a big third down at the end of the game where they they were driving and jj got a piece of josh allen's arm and it made the ball low and it hit the ground to where it got him off the field that was huge how about cunningham with that hit on josh allen man big. he drilled him and you could tell he I'm laid like, there for a second yeah. i was like oh man he's out he just didn't want to miss a play cuz it was like a third down i think right. after that and he was like man i can't come out let me stand up real quick yeah, he had to be a little dazed from that because Cunningham popped him. I mean, and you could tell Buffalo wanted a you know a leading with the helmet type of you know penalty call, but he didn't lower the crown. And Josh Allen was a runner there, so Cunningham he did it properly and he knocked the crap out of him. And going back to Bill O'Brien and going back to Andrew's point about not getting the team uh, going early, and yeah. So it's obviously something of not the motivational standpoint from him getting them ready, getting them going, but. Then you come out and you challenge something in the first, what, six, seven minutes of the game, eight minutes? You, and you knew it's like right when, when he challenged it, you're like thinking, please don't throw, challenge it. Please don't challenge it. The Texans are challenging it. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, well, how often do they overturn this? That's a dumb challenge this early in the game. And that's what you get. So as much as you want to say, okay, or not even want to, as much as you say, okay, let, let me come into this game with a clean slate for O'Brien. Let, let him do his thing. And then he starts out the game like that. But then on the opposite end, all week long, we've been talking about that the coaching advantage was to the Bills and McDermott, and he was bad to end the first half and the game. So I think how they say in playoffs for a player, that ball gets heavy, how they say that that ball holds extra weight. I think for a coach, 
your, your, your throat might get dry per se. Your, your mouth might get a little dry when it's time to make these calls. Like, man, uh, and then you, you end up making bonehead because that's not McDermott. Like he, 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 that coaching staff in general has shown to, to be good. And just the way they handled a few situations during that game made me think the, the, the environment here is getting to them the moment that they're in. And you saw slowly but surely Allen was just collapsing during that game. Yes. He was bad. And, and like, I mean, I wish that, uh, no, no, I actually don't wish. I, I'm glad it ended the way it ended, but that lateral, I mean, what if it gets picked up by the opposite team? That would be a historical play for you. Always remember Allen for that if they recover it the other way. Yeah, because he was acting like that was the last play of the game or something. You know what I mean? There was like a minute <laughs> left. Like, what are you doing? That was huge. And then also, we should give Deshaun credit. I, I believe on that first drive, they could have, in overtime, I think they could have picked up a first down there. Wasn't that when Fells dropped the ball on, on third down and Deshaun exactly. made a nice play? So, you know, Deshaun did make a good play there, but I don't want to kill Fells because he also made a really great catch earlier in the game that got him down to like the the one yard line. So these games are just so tight. And you're right. These coaches and these players, they clinch up, man, because the whole season is riding on this. And that's why you're glad you have a guy like Deshaun, because you feel like he's at his best in those situations. Players clinch up. And for whatever reason, I I feel like everyone in that stadium was clinched up except for Watson. And, and you know what? That's a little different story because he was just amped up. Yes. But, I think Watson was collective. He didn't go over there. There's, I mean, you do that to Brady. Brady was yelling at at at, at, at uh, Nick, uh, Harry in, yeah. inside the uh, inside the huddle. Another a young guy might go and the implications and seeing you know him drop that ball. He might go over there and say something for what or. You started feeling the ups and downs of of Hopkins during that game because you saw that he got right before he fumbled. They showed a snap of him and he looked like, man, I need this ball. Like, this. Yeah. and then all of a sudden, he, he was never going to get the first there on that play. And he tried a little something. Boom! Ball gets knocked out. And then they say Andre Johnson, the legend that Andre Johnson is, gave him a, a talk on the on the sideline and he said, "Hey, you got to go out there and make a play. We need you to win this game." And then Hopkins turned it up again. Not only Hopkins, but Watson, all he needed was to beat Tredavious White a few times and saying, you know what, I can beat this guy. I'm not scared to throw it that way. I got Hopkins. What am I talking about? I got D-Hop. That's fine, whatever you are, Tredavious, but I got a matchup-proof guy. And once he started believing that, everything changed. I I agree. And this might not be very popular, but I'm going to say it anyway. It really bothered me watching Will Fuller on the sidelines and, 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 you know, street clothes. You know, watching J.J. Watt on an injury that's a three- to four-month timetable. We saw that that injury basically took Whitney Merciless like a year to come back and be himself. And J.J. comes back in two months and makes a big impact on that game. And there's Will Fuller just standing there on the sidelines again. You know, look, I don't want to – I can't question anybody's injury because I don't know. You know, Skip Bayless always talks about, I wish I could, like, touch that person and feel, like, how bad the injury is so then I could make an educated decision on if this guy's trying to go all at it. But it, it just as a Texans fan and knowing how much Will Fuller means to the offense and just watching him stand there again, and then you wonder, like, is he going to be back for the Chiefs game? And with Kenny Stills, he he did make a couple catches in that game, but for the most part, he didn't do all that much. You know, he made a couple catches on third down that they needed, but he wasn't like a, a, a big part of the offense. So I don't know about you guys, but did you kind of feel bad, like kind of pissed off watching Will Fuller just stand there? He better be back for Kansas City. That's all I know is this team, all the grit they showed, it won't matter 
if Will Fuller is not back for Kansas City. Their offense simply isn't going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs if Will Fuller is not back in that game. I agree. They got to score, Jerry. You know, they, they're playing Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is not going to give you the ball like Josh Allen did over and over and over again and keep giving you a bunch of extra opportunities. Patrick Mahomes is going to come out there and play some some high-level football. So you're going to need all your guys. You're not going to get all those free extra chances against the Chiefs. You're going to have to score points. Now we go back to what Andy Reid, and we talked about him, and he has a losing record in the playoffs. He does. Let's not get it twisted out here like they can't be beat. And if we remember a few years back when they were heavily favored against the Titans and they came out with a big lead, they blew a big lead at home. So not to say that they can't be beat. Don't look at it as, man, the the season was good. We won one playoff game. Look at it as that team has been beat before by this exact team on that exact field. What's changed? Maybe a few things. Maybe that Mahomes wasn't what he was supposed to be coming off that ankle injury. Maybe the start. Remember that game? Kansas City came out. I think it was like 14-0 real quick. I remember live betting the over team total, and I got smashed on that because they never got there. Why am I going to lie to kick it with you? I got killed on that. I was driving home from here. I was driving home from this show, and I remember listening to it, and they're like, man, touchdown, touchdown. Didn't the Texans, like, fumble on that opening drive and then give away the football? I think it was Hyde, right? And then Hyde ended up what, was tearing it, it up. That yeah. was the game of Hyde, remember? Yeah, you're right. It was. I think it might have been like an exchange between the two of them, and the, the ball went down. Here's, here's going to be a big takeaway. I'll get it on the other side. But there's a really big player that's going to make a big difference for the Chiefs in this game next week that nobody's talking about, and he wasn't playing in that game the last time the Texans and Chiefs played. We'll get to that on the other side. You're listening to Moneyline. Guys, the phone lines are open, 713-780-3776. Moneyline, ESPN, 97.5. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. About 45 minutes till kickoff until we get some more magic, some more points being scored. Oh, did I just ruin my uh, my secret surprise of a bet? Because there will be points in that game. Go ahead and get that MyBookie account open. Go ahead and have it ready because we're about to blast it. But before we get to that, you had a nice little stat here, Josh. Let's do it. Let's pay off on that tease. The, the the difference maker, I think, for the Chiefs this week, I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I, I am saying this is going to be something really difficult for the Texans to deal with, and that's Damian Williams. The first time the Texans played the Chiefs, he had two touches in that game. He was trying to play through injury. They were mixing LaShawn McCoy in and out, and Damian Williams wasn't right. He had two touches in that game. But you know what? He's right. The Chiefs, they are back to being the Chiefs, and the big reason is because of Damian Williams. And, and think about it. Nobody gets more out of their running backs, especially in the passing game, than Andy Reid. You guys saw what Singletary did to the Texans yesterday. How many tackles did he break? I mean, he was unbelievable. Passes that he caught. He had that huge one on McKinney where he got open at the end of the game and got them a big first down. 
So keep an eye on Damian Williams this week because here, guess what? He's back. In that last game against the Chargers, he had 124 yards rushing on 12 attempts and had 30 receiving yards on, on four 12 catch- attempts. That's like 10 yards. A, a- yeah, yes. You know, that's what I'm saying. And, and the week before that, he kind of got it going. He started to get it going against Chicago, 4.1 yards per carry. And then he had three more catches for 27 yards and a touchdown. And we see how the Texans struggle with pass catching running backs. And you think back to, to Brian Westbrook and Shady McCoy and, and what Andy Reid is able to do with his running backs and the passing game. So if I'm going to be looking at an angle to bet, I'm going to be looking at the player props on Damian Williams next week because even if the Texans win, I think he's going to fill up that stat sheet. So so watch him. We saw what Singletary, even Frank Gore had a big carry yesterday against the Texans. So that that's going to be a big factor in that game. I love that angle. So you heard it here, the Damian Williams props next week when they come out. Go ahead and hit those. Now let's talk about Andy Reid a little bit more because yeah. we talked about coaching and we always talk about the lack of the lack thereof here in Houston. But Andy Reid, for whatever reason, he gets and, and not saying he doesn't deserve it. He's been to the Super Bowl, yes, and he's led different offenses to being one of the better offenses in the league. Yes, I understand all that. But let's talk about playoff Andy Reid. What makes it so far-fetched to think that the Texans can go out here and win this, a guy that's one and four in the playoffs as a chief, as a chief's head coach. Lost to the Colts 45-44 to in 2013. His only win, the 2015 Texans won. Then you have 2015, lost to the Patriots. 2016, lost to the Steelers. 2017, lost to the Titans as a big favorite. That's the when they blew that lead. What's to say that the Texans can't continue this? That's that's fair, uh, especially in the playoffs. You assume you're going to be at the disadvantage with coaching with Bill O'Brien, and you know you hate to crap on him. He got a big win yesterday, but let's be real, it's been a struggle with him. But you make a good point. But also at the same time, Andy Reid is the one that that blew the Texans' doors off in that you know Brian Hoyer game where they got blown out. I don't even did the Texans even score in that game. I think it was thirty zero. Yeah, man. so. You make a good point. If if there was ever a time for Bill O'Brien to step up and and coach well and get it done, Andy Reid might be the guy he can do it against. But you're also no what doesn't Andy Reid have that incredible stat coming off a bye where he's in you know he's just amazing when he has that extra week of preparation. Well, we're seeing that here, right? They're they're coming off a bye, Andy. You know, I know that they just found out that they're playing the Texans, but they knew. You know, it would only be a certain amount of teams. So they've been scheming. They've been preparing. So just keep in mind, I think Kelsey, he's going to make an impact. You know Andy Reid's going to scheme him against the Texans. And, you know, Gibson's out for the Texans. He's he's so good at covering tight ends, the safety for the Texans. Gibson's on IR. He's not going to be playing. So look for Kelsey to have a big game. But you make a good point, Jerry. For as much credit as we give Andy Reid as a coach, he hadn't been the same dude in the playoffs. No, and he finally did get the monkey off his back, beating the Colts last year. 31 points is what they threw up. But then, remember, they lost to the Patriots off of also, uh, a neutral zone infraction lined yeah. up. But to say that it's far-fetched for Watson to be able to go in there and we look at the spread, what do you think about that line? Let's talk about next week's line because I think it's a little high. I, I do, too. It it's at nine right now. You're giving the Texans nine points in this matchup. Think about that. And I'm not saying that I'm on either side yet, but my first thought when I opened that up, nine points seems like a lot to give Watson in that matchup. I agree. What do you think, Andrew? I know it wasn't the same Chiefs team that the Texans beat earlier in the season, but a team that went into Arrowhead 
and won earlier this season, and then you're giving them nine points in the playoffs. And this is a team, we, we know the Texans are a confidence-based team. And knowing in, your, in the back of your mind that, you know what, we went into their stadium and we beat them, that's going to, that's going to be on the, on the Texans' mind heading into that game. And you're giving that team nine points? That's a lot. I think so, too, and I'm going to think about it as the week goes along a little bit, but as of right now, I kind of feel like, you know, taking the points with the Texans. Nine just, it feels like a lot. And you, we talked about Vrabel telling his team, hey, take the pinstripes off those jerseys. Take yeah. the colors off of them. They're just, same thing like what Andrew just said. If Bill O'Brien wants to use that as a talking point, hey, take everything, all the stats, all the, all the big plays that they throw, all that red, th- take that all off and look at who they are and look at who you are. And you, they're a team that you ran through. You just you let you put the ball on the ground. Remember that was that Hyde game. It was, but and here's kind of where my fantasy football helps me with this stuff. Remember when the Texans played the Chiefs, the Chiefs were one of the absolute worst teams against the run in the NFL. You were targeting the Chiefs with your running backs early in the year because they were blowing them up. After like week 11, the Chiefs shut that down. They became one of the toughest teams to rush against. And it's weird because it always happens at this time of the year and it's at home. I I always say when we handicap these Chiefs games in the overs at home – for whatever reason, the under yeah. the, the Andy Reid era, the most profitable coach in in his era for the Chiefs since 2013 has been Andy Reid to the under at home. For whatever reason, if somebody would, if I don't read that and somebody tells me that, I would bet against them, being like, yeah. "Bro, you're lying to me." I've read it many of times. I looked it up, and it's true. Since 2013, he's the most profitable home unders, which is crazy. You know, Mahomes and that high-powered offense, and they keep going under at home. And we always talk about Arrowhead being one of the toughest places to go get something going. If you're, you know, an opposing team, you would think that the Chiefs are blowing people out at home, but it's just not the case. Now, do you see this game being high scoring? The total set around 50? You know, I I would like to kind of see what kind of weather we're going to be dealing with in Kansas City this time of year. That's another aspect we have to throw in there. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to think about. But what 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 seems to never change is the Texans scoring early in football games. You know, just we knew they were going to come out and start slow this week, and they did. So you, you have to think that there's a good chance the Texans aren't going to be putting up a lot of points in the first half. But the Chiefs, you know, Andy Reid's one of those guys like Kubiak where he's so good at scripting his first drive. He's great at that. They, they go down the field very quickly, it seems like almost every week. And then they, you know, kind of like the Bills did to the Texans yesterday. So I could see the Chiefs scoring early in this game and, and the Texans getting off to a slow start. That's just, historically, that seems to be what happens. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, we'll have a lot more breakdown of that. We don't want to get too deep into next week because we do have a show before the game. That's, we do. I love that aspect because yeah. today we're coming in talking about what happened yesterday. But next week, this is going to be your official spot to get hyped for the Texans. Yes. If you're a Texans person, hey, next week, call call in, get it live. We're going to be getting hyped here for the Texans because at the end of the day, again, I, I've said it all the time, I'm not a Texans fan but I'm not a hater either. You know, I, right. I, I'm a football purist, in, and I like to see big players do big things, and I hate when big players get held down by coaches, and I feel like that's what's happened here. I feel like Watson is a different character. I feel like, and I've never been a J.J. Watt guy, but I've, I gained so much respect for him yesterday. You felt him in that I building. I felt him. I felt him just like anybody listening right out there, and it's music to your ears, and it's and it's probably sitting in your heart right now, but I felt him the crowd felt him the city felt him watson felt him and i hope you feel us for the next 30 minutes 
Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5. Please am I. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, and you know the sound of that. That's money on my mind. Something we do here when we got a big bet to make, and I got a big one for you right now. We're going to go to this first game. Starts off in about 34 minutes. Get over to my bookie right now. I'm going to take you to that Mercedes-Benz Superdome where the dreams are going to be made today in the form and fashion of the Saints. I think the Saints are going to come out, and they're going to score at will. I think that the score at halftime will be somewhere about 17 or 20 for the Saints team total. Hit Saints team total over 14 and a half. Now, as combined for this game, a lot of pundits are on the Minnesota side because Minnesota can score, and we've seen in past that the last five road games for the Minnesota Vikings has gone over the total. And then if you look at the Saints, over in five of the last seven wild card games. So in this predicament, in this same stage, the Saints score. And then you're looking at a team that's five straight overs on the road, a team that's going to have to, I believe, play from behind. I do think the Saints come out there, score early, get up, making them have to throw more, making them have to use that screen pass. I'm painting this game out somewhere around Saints 34 Vikings 27, uh, a shootout. And if that's the case, you're going to hit Vikings, or, or uh, excuse me, Saints team total over 30. You're going to hit that same team total in the first half. And we're going to give you a teaser. You're going to tease it like this. You're going to hit a seven-point teaser. You're going to bring the Saints down to minus one because they're minus eight. So basically all they have to do is win, and you're going to tease those Philadelphia Eagles up to eight and a half. They're at plus one and a half right now. I don't believe that the Eagles lose by over a touchdown. I actually think that the Eagles win this game. The Seattle Seahawks, at, at the pace that they're at, they're getting about 72% of the bets. They're on pace. If they can surpass 78% of the bets, they will be the most popular bet ever in playoff history. That's how lopsided it is. The last time that someone was lopsided this much, and it wasn't in the 70s. It was the 2009 uh, Broncos. So that just goes to show you. And they lost that game outright to the San Diego Chargers still in San Diego. That team, uh, uh, it was the, the Darren Sproles game for two touchdowns. I don't know how my mind remembers that, but we do. So, again, I think that there's scoring going on here. Hit the overs and then hit that teaser because I don't think the Eagles get blown out. And I think the Saints can outright win this game. Ooh, I like it, Jerry. I'm riding with Bo this week. <laughs> I'm going to put this bet in. I already have. We'll see how it goes. But I like it, my man. And the bet that, for me, my play this week, I like Alvin Kamara to go over 60 and a half rushing yards. I just, you know, I know he's a guy that catches a lot of passes. But if you look at his stats this year, he goes over 60 rushing yards pretty frequently and I feel like he's healthy now so I think you go ahead you take the over on Alvin Kamara rushing yards I like it as well the Vikings do give up rushing yards they can be beaten 
I think today that's the way that you're going to stabilize their rush. I think they come the last few weeks. I mean, we've been out at Brewings watching it, and it yep. seems like before halftime, he already is in the end zone a few times. Right. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they were playing for when it matters against Tennessee, he had 80 yards rushing. And if, you know, I went, I was counting him up. He goes over 60 quite frequently. And if the Saints do get up early in this game, which we think could happen, they're going to run the ball. Over the last three games, 5.6 yards per carry, four touchdowns, and 13 catches over three games. 13 over the last three, he came on strong. Yeah, it, it looks like he's finally healthy again. So I'm rolling with Kamara. He's only got to get to 60 yards, Jerry. I, I think he gets there, or 61. And the last time that he played this team, the last two times, check this out, 15 touches for 105 and a touchdown, 20 touches for 76 and two. There you go. I like it. So go ahead and roll with him. I don't know. Do you have any more for the people? We've got a couple more segments here. We're going to give them a little bit more props throughout the show. I'm going to put my name on a few props for them, so that'll be as well. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just tease a little bit. Russell Wilson, start looking at his rush yards under. Hopefully, you could get it around 24, 25. Anything higher than that, you're looking real good, but I think he goes under today. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Let's kind of let's break this one down. We haven't really gotten into Seattle Philly that much, and that's going to be the afternoon game today. Games in Philly. Jerry, it's gone to a pick'em here. It's a pick'em, and I wanted to be on Seattle. I really did, but I mentioned it earlier in the show. Man, that performance against the Arizona Cardinals has just lowered my confidence level in these guys. I'm looking at DK Metcalf. I'm looking at Tyler Lockett. You know, can they get going? Because we know the Eagles don't have the best secondary in the world. You know, so if Russell Wilson's going to get it done, it's there. One of the things that a lot of people are talking about with the Seahawks is that they become very predictable now that Marshawn Lynch is back because it seems like every time he's on the field, they run the ball. Yeah, it might hurt them overall, to be honest with you. Now, I look at this game overall, and I try to read what the money is telling me. Sometimes you don't, we don't play teams in this, in this gambling industry. We play numbers. All that money was coming in on Seattle, like I said, but then the number was going against them for whatever reason. So I feel like the bigger bets were still holding true to the Eagles. And in this spot, everyone's going to – it seems like too easy of a bet. We know that Russell Wilson has had much success on the road, especially this year. We know all that. But at the end of the day, I think that the battle inside the trenches and I think that the Philadelphia defensive line is going to be able to create enough pressure. Last time these two teams played, it was 17-9. to and a lot of people, a lot of pundits are going to use that as a as a measuring stick. Seventeen to nine, let's go like that. In a seventeen nine the game, the Eagles had five turnovers, five turnovers, and they only lost by eight, and still only gave up seventeen. Go ahead and book it now. The under, the under has moved from forty six to forty five. Historically, since two thousand three, when numbers move against the total going under, they're fifty nine percent to cash. Under forty five. Eagles, money line. Eagles are going to win this game outright. Put on your dog's mask. This is the moment. This is the predicament they want to be in. They don't care to be favorites. They get all. Hey, this is what gets them going. That locker room has been there. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of players that weren't on that on that on that Super Bowl team. I understand that, but the coach is there. They know the coach has been in this position. He can give them that talk. He can give them that thing that O'Brien lacks. They're going to come out like monsters. They're going to come out like rabbit dogs. Wow. What do you expect from Carson Wentz today? His last few games, he's been throwing an average of 40 pass attempts. 
He's the sneaky guy today. It was better when there was four games to pick out of because no one was going Carson Wentz. I have him plugged in in, in slates from yesterday, but Carson Wentz is going to go off today. Ertz is going to play with the lacerated kidney, they say. twelve. Expect a lot of 12-man formations, uh, the, 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 the two tight end sets. Expect the ball to move slow. Expect Philly to keep Russell Wilson off the field. This paint, it's got underpainted all over it. Man, I, I like that. I could definitely see that to be the case. I want to pull up his his, his uh, props for rushing yards on Carson Wentz because, you know, he is a guy that he can kind of get loose, you know, and pick up some first downs with his legs. So I'm going to take a look at that in just a minute and see what that number is. But something that's definitely – I'm going to look for that today because that, that's how they can move the chains. And – they're at home, Jerry. I just, but it's tough, right? Russell Wilson, you know, he's a clutch dude, man. He's a good player, but just something's missing with the Seahawks to me. I love that angle you just spit out. Rush yards allowed to the quarterback position. Seattle Seahawks, 347 this year, sitting fourth from the bottom. Whew. They give up rushing yards. Go ahead and fire up the red rocket. <laughs> I like it, man. I'm excited. This is going to be a great game. And I, to be honest, I'd kind of like to see the Eagles get it together in advance. You know, I mean, they were kind of they were kind of dead for a lot of this season. Everybody in the NFC East has been kind of dead, and to see them kind of start getting it together, and man, the injuries they've dealt with has been incredible. So I'm impressed with Carson Wentz pulling it together. With, I mean, is <laughs> he thrown to Ward? And I mean, these receivers we they've never had any NFL experience. I've been impressed with him. I think he keeps rolling today as well. And the narrative all season long has been. Is Seattle overrated? And then when you look at them, you look at 10 one-score wins. So whenever I use that teaser that I gave out earlier, Saints minus one, and then you're taking Seattle or Philly plus eight and a half, and I'm telling you they got got 10 one-score wins this year, then it paints everything perfect, just like when Arizona was getting double digits. Ten one-score games, wins, it's giving it to you. It's telling you, here, take the teaser. If I get beat, I get beat. But I don't think the Saints lose at home, and I don't think Philadelphia is going to get rolled over. I just don't see it. No, I just I think you brought up a good point. You gotta love the coaching with the Eagles, and of course, you know Pete Carroll's good for the Seahawks as well. But both of these teams are going to be prepared to play today. The over under on Pete Carroll bubblegums chewed in one game today <laughs> sits at three and a half. What are you taking for the people? Oh, dude, I'm going way over. I'd put that total. <laughs> Like 15. Do you think he uh, switches them out, or do you think he's just a one-one uh, bubblegum type guy? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing at halftime he's he's reloading with, with the new fresh piece. Man, he looks like a guy that eats like 10 pieces at one time. Yeah, his, I bet his jaw hurts. Oh, it's got to be, man. He chews him some gum. Him and Sean Payton's one of those guys, too. Between him, his chewing gum, and, well, the clapper, I don't know who he's going to have to clap for. You would look over, and he had rashes on his hands. He was clapping so much with Jason Garrett. And I know Cowboy fan out there, you're living like, hey, new year, new me, new America's team. I know I'm feeling you as well because he needed to go. Finally, it happened. We got to talk about this a little bit. What are they doing with the guys they're bringing into interview? Marvin Lewis? Mike McCarthy? Like, McCarthy was such an underachiever. I know they won a Super Bowl, but for the most part, an underachiever with Aaron Rodgers. And then you're going to downgrade to Dak Prescott. Look, I don't, I'm not taking shots at Dak. I'm just saying he's not Aaron Rodgers. And then Marvin Lewis? Oh, my God. What, what are they thinking? Can you imagine the little interview room? Uh, you know, like whenever you go to an interview and they sit you in the hallway and then there's, say they're interviewing multiple people, they sit you in those seats. And yeah. They're McCarthy and, and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Lewis is looking at each other and they're just like, 
So you want you want to play uh, paper rock scissors? <laughs> you want to what do you want to do here you want to play what do you want to like you think you're gonna get the job man i don't, I don't and this is the dallas cowboys and this i don't is think i'm getting it how about you well, no <laughs> neither one of them should get it why don't they get like some kind of up-and-comer man like with these retreads what is jerry thinking you're not upgrading jason garrett to marvin lewis talk about mediocrity with marvin lewis that would be a disaster but hopefully these last 15 minutes when we get back won't be. You're listening to Moneyline ESPN 97.5. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Presented by MyBookie. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. What's up, guys? I want to take a second here to talk about our good friends, MyBookie. We're going to be using a lot of MyBookie today. we got a lot of action going on today's games. And there's only one place to do it at, and that's at MyBookie. And one of the best parts is that when you actually win a bet with MyBookie, they pay you. Nobody pays out faster than MyBookie. So listen to Jerry Bow, Get his bookie busters. Place your bets at MyBookie. I've got some rushing props I like today. Get in on that action. And you know what? They have live betting. So if you're, you're not maybe sure about the line before the game starts, well, guess what? You can watch half the first quarter, watch the whole first quarter, and then decide if you want to bet, and maybe the line changes in your favor a little bit. All you do, bring your cell phone to the sports bar. Wherever you're watching the game, you pull up my bookie. you can place that live bet, get the game at the angle that you want to get it at, and nobody pays out faster than my bookie. And you know what they also do? They send you discounts. They send you emails where you get some free bets. And the other thing is, if you don't have an account with my bookie. Go create an account, and they will match your deposit up to 50%. So, you know, maybe you're not a, a big roller, but, hey, you, you put 100 bucks into my bookie, they'll give you 50 Then you got 150 bucks to gamble with today. You know, you get on the bookie busters, you make that bet, you might have $300 in your account by the end of the day. So that's something you can do. You only want to do it at MyBookie because you play you when you get paid at MyBookie, and that's the most important part, right? You don't want to go meet some guy in a parking lot. You do it through MyBookie. It's on your phone. You want to use the promo code RADIO when you open up your account. You put in your initial deposit. They will match half of it. Then you got a whole – you can basically – Play with house money today, Jerry. How great is that? So get over to my bookie, get your account started today. That's promo code radio. You play, you win, you get paid. My bookie. Let me tell you about a guy that should have gone to my bookie. And the story, the story here takes us to Ontario, Ontario, Canada. Ah, Canada, eh? Mister, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. I don't think he can hear right now with the story this guy has. <laughs> Mister Shakar is suing the casino for all his losses, which comes out to about three hundred and forty-two thousand. And 500000 on top for damages, according to the Wind- uh, Windsor Star. <coughs> Excuse me. O- October 17th, he went to Caesars Casino with $55,000 in bank drafts, got the full luxury treatment in casino, went all out. With 25000 in chips, he played roulette for an hour, went to eat with an escort. They threw this part in there. Nice. Then returned to the gaming floor. Then he withdrew another 25000 managed to lose that. 
leaves, comes back with another two $75,000 bank drafts. The casino banks it out for him, cashes it out. He ends up losing $250,000 in one day. So my man here decides he's going to go outside and he's going to step in front of a bus. (laughs) Well, he does that and wins an insurance payout (laughs) for $342,000, this scumbag. And goes back to the same casino later and loses it. No, are you kidding me? No, straight up. This is how this story ends. So to, to, to recap, this atrocity, this scumbag goes to a casino, ends up losing $250,000 throughout one day, eats, eats with an escort, plays roulette, does everything, gets the luxury treatment. At least he got laid. <laughs> He's sitting like, feeling like he, 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 he wants to die. So he goes outside and jumps in front of a, the first bus he sees. And then he got an insurance claim in his hands, at which point he wins. Now he's a winner after losing his whole life. And now all of a sudden he's got 342 racks in the bank. And he goes back to the place, to the scene of the crime, and loses this money. You can't make this up. You can't. And you got to see his logic, right? Because he's thinking there's always another bus coming. I could just jump out and do this again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's always another one coming. Dude, that is hilarious. I never thought about that. Why did I go to college? I could have just jumped in front of a bus. I'm going to jump in front of a bus when I leave here. (laughs) All right, now let's get back to something that's kind of stuck out to me here, right? And we always talk about the, I guess, the coaching tree that came from Bilicek and all these disciples, and they've had a winning culture, so it makes sense that people want to take pieces from it and bring it into their locker room or into their organization, and we're actually seeing that with Casario rumors still to be in play here. So thinking of all that, and if you look at the last few weeks, I mean, the Dolphins' ex-assistant are the reason that they, they, they didn't have a, a, a bye week. Yeah. And that the reason that they, not the reason they lost, I think their demise was coming slowly but surely, but that's a reason they lost yesterday. And if you look at yesterday, another assistant. So at what point do we start saying maybe the uh, – the admiral that is, he, he's got to step down as, as being, the, I, I guess, the, the assistants are beating the master. It's finally happening. And, you know, Bill O'Brien beat him. Romeo Cornell was on his staff, and he was a part of the Texans that beat the Patriots this year. You know, Vrabel, former player, we saw him beat him yesterday. Flores came from the Patriots. So, and Matt Patricia, remember the Lions blew him out, I think it was last year. So it's definitely, and that didn't used to be the case. But now all the disciples of Belichick are starting to, starting to beat him. And what I thought was really interesting yesterday was was all the trickery with milking the clock at the end of the game with the Titans yesterday, right? Because basically, you know, I'm looking at on Pro Football Talk here. They took a de- the Titans. They took a delay game penalty when they were about to punt, which ran 40 seconds off the clock, and they were leading, right? And then after that, they false started on purpose to run the clock again because it's a loophole in the NFL rules. And then after that, the Patriots kind of helped the Titans themselves by jumping off sides. So by the time the Titans finally punted, the time on the clock went from 6:35 all the way down to 4:50. And if we remember at the very end of that game, Brady got the ball in like the one yard line with 15 seconds left. So don't tell me that didn't make a difference. You know, Vrabel used that trickery that, that he learned from Belichick and he used it against him and it worked. And I think that's something we're going to keep seeing going forward. And 
it just, I guess people don't want to picture it that way because you never saw Danielson beat Mr. Miyagi up. <laughs> like, what if they had Karate Kid Part 12 and then Danielson starts beating up on Miyagi? Miyagi. You, would, you don't see that, so you don't expect that here, but that's what you're seeing. The Danielsons are beating up the old schools. Eventually, these guys pick up on things, you know, and then they they use it in their own, you know, their own opportunities, and they beat Belichick. I mean, look, it's not going to be the same forever. Belichick can't do this forever. You know, eventually something's got to happen, and and people pick up on things, and and it worked yesterday. And you wonder if the NFL will end up kind of changing this loophole. But I remember I was at a a sports bar watching the game last night, and there was a a band playing. So I could only watch the game. I I couldn't hear. So I kept seeing all these flags flying, and I'm like, what is taking so long? And, And that's what it was, is that the Titans were smart. Delay a game. They false start on purpose. I've never seen that before. False starting on purpose to run clock, but it's a brilliant idea. It is because if you know the rules and you know that clock's got to rewind, then you start thinking, hey, I've seen this before. Yeah. I remember Coach Bill telling me this, and we we used it on someone, and now it comes. But again, every uh, every Mr. Miyagi's got to die at one point or another, and the real Miyagi died in 05 from what I'm seeing. Rest in peace to his soul. Yeah. I didn't even know he had passed away. Pat Morita, rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> Too soon? Kidney failure. Only died with about five million to his name. I figured Miyagi would get the the the. I mean, he's got to be getting paid for those karate kids. You would think, and they made like four of them, didn't they? Yeah, something like that. Because they had they had the the normal three, and then they had the one with the girl. I think that was like the fourth one. So you would think he'd be. I still see Karate Kid all the time when I'm flipping the channels. Oh, and I forgot he was on Happy Days. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you forget about yeah. him. You think of him just as Miyagi, but he was on Happy Days as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I did not think we'd be talking about Pat Morita today, Jerry. <laughs> I was putting my show prep together. Well, when I get out of here, I'm about to wax on, wax off. But before we get out of here, we're going to do something that we do every single week. And I got something good in store for the people. A little something that we call put your name on it. And we're going to start it with Josh. What do you got to put your name on for the people? I'm going to go back to what I said earlier in the show. I like Alvin Kamara. I like over 60 and a half rushing yards. I like that a lot today. I think he's going to be a big part of what the Saints do. So I say go ahead and fire on that over for rushing yards. If Kamara has to get to 61 rushing yards for you to cash your my bookie, I like his chances. What you got? Saints are winning big today, Jerry. They're in the Superdome. They're up against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. And to me... What the Vikings have hinges on the health of Dalvin Cook. If he if he tweaks that if he tweaks anything at all and he goes out, Kirk Cousins, the rest of that offense is going to capitulate in that Superdome. And I think the Saints end up winning big today in New Orleans. I'm piggybacking off the, both of those in a way because I'm going to go with that Kamara uh, prop as well. I think the Saints do blow him out. Hence that I'm on the team totals first half for the game. I'm pegging the Saints to score about 34. I'm going to put my name on that. I'm going to put my name on that teaser I gave you. And I'm also going to put my name on Russell Wilson, rush yards under. Ever since the, uh, the uh, I, think, I believe it was week seven, he's been averaging 12 yards per carry less, or 12 rush yards, I'm sorry, um, per game less. And I figured that that's not going to be something that he's going to have time to do. I always talked about the defensive line of the Eagles, and I think that that's going to be the strong point. I think the pressure is going to be there, and I think Russell Wilson is going to be getting the ball out of his hands quickly today. Uh, go ahead and peg me on the under. Go ahead and get that that teaser in. Saints, uh, Philly, plus eight and a half. Go ahead and get that over in. Over in the first game, starting in eight minutes. That's my play of the whole weekend. Over in the Saints, 
Saints throwing up 34 today. Take it how you want it. Signing off for the squad and signing off for, I guess, the love you guys give us. We appreciate you out there. We appreciate you getting up on a hangover Sunday. We know that you're feeling it, but we know that you got uh, hopes for next Sunday, as we do here. So signing off for the squad, Josh Jordan, Andrew Carlson, and Jerry Bonos with a Z. Peace! Hey, this is Trey Wingo. You're listening to ESPN 97.5 Houston. Hello.